Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Art of Podcasting, episode 30, So Long, Steve, recorded November 11th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementopie.com. This week, uh, Steve Cherubino dumps us for a younger, better-looking podcast. What? It's, uh, it's, it's a sad reality, and there probably was a better way to break it to you than titling the show So Long, Steve. But uh, let's go ahead and get that out in the open. Steve Cherubino of, of HowToPodcast.biz, you're leaving us. Why, Steve? What did we do? I thought I was fired. See, this is a big, pro- this is, this is a big mess now. Uh, no. <laughs> I thought you guys fired me. No, I um I just cut your pay. I didn't fire you. <laughs> um I love you guys, first of all. Uh, but many of you I don't know, know this is that a little weird now. I'm not sure. Uh, I, we get a, I just jumped right into there. Okay, sorry. No um, foreplay or anything. Just No. Well you just you know, you just <laughs> unloaded the the bomb there yourself. Um you know, as as a lot of you guys know, I have a Kickstarter going to uh get me started on my new career. And I'm putting a lot of focus on that. And, uh, you know, uh, I've imparted about as much as I know on this show, I would say, about podcasting. I guess the little bits that I do, that the remnants that are left will get out tonight. And uh, I'm basically, uh, basically, I'm not going to be a podcaster anymore, really, uh, for maybe for one show. Anyway, I'm starting a new career and I'm focusing on that. I'm just going full bore. I'm trying to go all out full bore. Uh, on doing that and um i just uh, you know want to just focus on that and uh, start just cruising and see if i could uh, just jump start this career so that's basically it you know i mean you guys know you guys know that all right steve give us uh, a little more information about this kickstarter and uh i'll put the link in the show notes for people who are listening but uh, give us the uh the quick overview so people understand what's going on okay sure thanks if you go to podnuts.com slash kickstarter watch the video. Um, that's the best thing I could say if you really want to get a, a full grasp of what's going on here. But in a nutshell, uh, I was running the Podnuts Network for a couple years now, and I'm trying to turn that over to Door to Door Geek, Steve McLaughlin. At the same time, I'm going to start my career as a musician. So we came up with this harebrained scheme to start a Kickstarter to basically raise funds so I can go all out as a musician. It would actually be my, my full-time job for the next couple months because that's about as much uh, as we're looking to pledge for the Kickstarter. And uh, at, if that goal is met, I will turn the Podnuts Network over to Door to run while I do my music thing. So it's that's basically what's happening. And um, you're basically supporting me launching my career. Um, and also fostering pod nuts and putting it as i put it into the hands of somebody who's really going to nurture it and uh, take it to the next level something that i just i kind of let wane a little bit because you know my heart and soul wasn't in it and uh, i don't want it to die i want to turn it over to somebody who's passionate about it so uh, that's what we're trying to do is like revive pod nuts and bring it back to its glory and um like you said earlier mark before the show you know uh let me uh pursue a lifelong dream of mine and as of the time this show airs, you will have two weeks to uh, to meet the goal of the Kickstarter. Uh, there, you're roughly five, uh, 20% there right now, uh, a little more than that. So you got two weeks to come up with the other 80%. It's only been going, what, less than one week, right? 
It's yeah, it's about halfway done. Goes for a month. Okay, so okay, so it was it, that's right because we didn't do a show last week. It was going to be the big announcement last week, but then I uh, pulled up lame and we didn't do a show last week. Oh, you totally made up for that, though, Mark. If anybody <laughs> doesn't know, Mark is the highest contributor to the Kickstarter. Yesterday was it, or was it the day before? Yesterday. Yesterday, Mark pledged five hundred bucks to uh, the Kickstarter, and totally bowled me over. It was amazing. I thanked Mark profusely then. I thanked him before the show, and I thank you now, Mark. It's uh, it's so appreciated, and uh, I, I know I'm a loss for words when uh, when I first saw you do that. I, well, I I didn't <laughs> I didn't expect you to do that, but you're welcome. I, it's just uh, uh, you know, it was what I said earlier. If if uh, I I don't know, I, I'm getting a little personal, but it's it's my goal uh to give uh 20% of my annual income to charity. That's just something that I like to do every year because I, I live in a, an amazing country where I have more than about 90% of the world, uh, and I've been blessed beyond what I need. So I try to give, uh, I try to live on 80%. Actually, I live on 70. I save 10% in, in retirement and then give the other 20% away. Not that you ever needed to know that, but uh, you're, uh, so smart. you're just, uh, you're part of that uh, process. So I'm happy to do it. Thank you very much. And uh, waiting in the wings, unusually quietly, is Mr. James Professor Messer of ProfessorMesser.com. Hiya, James. How are you? Well, uh, I have to say, before we get going, is that, uh, Steve, you will be missed. You are an important and valuable part of this podcast. Uh, I don't say that because now I have to do more work. I really am sincere in doing that. And I'm very glad to hear that you're alive because, obviously, seeing the title of the show as So Long Steve, I thought maybe the worst could have happened. But uh, it's nice to see you there. Thanks a lot, James. I appreciate that. And it's good to be alive. <laughs> Being I, alive is a good thing. Yeah. Well, I actually thought you were sick last week, James, but it turned out to be Mark. So, Mark, are you feeling better? I'm fine. Yeah. I just okay. had one of those, you know, those things that make you really, really sick for a little while and then you move on. So uh, uh, I, Sunday, Sunday morning, I was fine. Sunday afternoon, I was going, uh, and then it lasted through Monday. I was spent Monday laying in bed, covered up shivering with the fever oh, dude. uh but by tuesday morning i was fine so all all was grand but since i do almost all of my recording on sunday and monday uh i didn't do any shows last week so uh it seemed worse than it was <laughs> I, i'm quick, fine quick, too <laughs> good james quick tangent you just reminded me of something um do you know how they say ginger ale makes your soothes your stomach you know it makes you feel better and i was having like Several years ago, I was having the worst stomach ache. I think I got food poisoning or something. And I'm like, go get some ginger ale. I'm like, I don't have any ginger ale. So I go to the store and get some. So somebody drove me to the store. We got some ginger ale. I'm sipping it and sipping it in the car ride home and sipping on a car ride home. We get right back to to home. I had to throw up. I opened the door of the car and I just, sorry guys, puked all over the place. Got out of the car, went inside, and everybody's like, so, do you feel better after drinking the ginger ale? I go, yeah, I feel great. <laughs> yeah, it's Thank awesome you. now. <laughs> so, I do. you do feel great when you, you, you puke. Yeah. I think that's it. You know, it makes you throw up, and then you feel fine. Right, well, exactly. That's my tip of the week. Oh, <sighs> sorry. Sorry, man. <laughs> sorry for the grossness. I don't want to go too far into the show before I mention that we are recording this on November 11th, uh, Veterans it? Day in the U.S., and uh, Armistice Day in Europe. Uh, so I want to take uh, just a moment to uh, remember those who have fallen and thank those who are serving. Uh, we sit here unafraid because there are teenage kids half a world away scared out of their wits. 
So thank you for what you do. It's a it's a small and frankly ridiculous uh, token, but all I've got is thanks. Thank you, people. Same here. Indeed, you know I was in um, I was in the United Kingdom at this time last year. And uh, I was not aware they all wore poppies, yes. the flower, um, around. So uh, I woke up in the morning and stumbled out of my hotel and looked around, and everybody was doing this. There's so much more, I don't know, cohesive about these things. It's a much bigger United deal Kingdom. for them than it is here. Much bigger deal for the whole thing. And I was in the airport at, I don't recall if it was 12 noon or 1 in the afternoon, when they, they played chimes, the entire airport stopped. I was in a gift shop trying to buy, you know, something for the flight and everybody quit. Everybody stopped. We were dead silent for a minute and then life went on as normal. Yeah. And the 11th minute of the 11th hour. of That's November what it 11th. was. That's what it was. Huh? Yeah. And, and of course, you got to think the you got to remember that they were ground zero for two world wars. It's understandable that it would mean more to them than it does us. Sure. And uh, that makes perfect sense considering the signing of World War One. Yes. That time. Uh, okay. So there you go. Um, James, any other uh, interesting tidbits this week? Um, interesting, no. Oh, okay. That won't stop me, <laughs> of course. Any dull and boring tidbits this week? <laughs> I got plenty of dull and boring tidbits. I'm on this, this quest right now to build my Office 3.0, my studio upgraded to the next version and it involves everything mixers cameras video equipment everything uh desk it involves everything and uh when i got into it, i thought i'll just make a list will be done and finished and i'm i've been working on this list for about three weeks now i can never seem to find what i want and i'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing We'll figure it out. But but I plan on whenever we get to the steps where I'm finally putting these things in, hopefully I'll be able to bring that to the podcast. Yeah, because I'm really interested in the desk. That's well, good. Well, that's, of course, I put a big bowl through that and circled it and said, Art is, it of a mixing, is it a mixing desk with 64 desk. channels? It'll be, a, it'll be a desking desk. <laughs> a desk what holds stuff up. A, a desk. And it's it's actually hard to find the right desk for what I'm doing. I still am. I'm still wavering. I'm still going back and forth. And I think at this point we can, we can be rest assured that indeed that was not interesting at all. <laughs> you are a man of your word. You promised boring and you delivered. Thank you so much. And this is what you can look forward to in Steve's absence. It'll just be James and me more boring, twice the boring for your, for your amusement. <laughs> at least one you third more. See, you could start a show about desks. That would be plenty boring. Desks uh, today. How about desks today? Uh, desks, follow that up that by taken? watching paint dry and uh, lawn growing 101. <laughs> so, uh, but I will say if uh, desks today.com, by the way, already taken, already taken. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. Uh, if you are out there and would like to uh, fill in the missing spot that Steve is going to leave, um, I can be bribed. Uh, so I just like to get that out there, uh, you know, in the open. No, uh, what what when I approached uh, Steve and James about this, uh, I looked for guys who had some gravity in this area. Uh, Steve has done what a thousand, fifteen hundred or so podcasts at this point. Um, Probably about a thousand. Yeah, I've been doing this for about five or six years. Uh, James has done 
uh, thousands of hours of video when you count in the uh, the live groups and all of that sort of stuff. So these were the two guys who who were really uh, I was going to sit at their knee and learn because uh, I'm I'm the relative newbie to this uh, group. I've you know I, I do things on a shoestring budget. I've been I'm just starting uh, into my well not even there. I, I'm rounding out my second year, headed into the third year of doing this. I've got a few hundred podcasts under me, but I'm I'm not. Uh, an expert in my field. So uh, to fill Steve's spot, I would like another uh, of his caliber. Uh, of course, we can never replace uh, Steve, but we can uh, put in uh, someone in his place. So that's that's what I'm uh, looking for. Uh, if you know somebody who would uh, would like to be a part of this show and who has the, the, the chops, uh, something that can teach us all, uh, that I'd love to know about it. Otherwise, uh, James and I are just going to uh, soldier on um, for a while and, and see what happens. Uh, but that's our plans. And boy, won't they be sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you will rue the day. Uh, so that's really all I have to say about the whole transition. Uh, we're, we're not going anywhere. Uh, Steve is moving on to a, uh, a new career, and we wish him well in that. Uh, but we're not going anywhere. This show is is just hitting its stride, 30 episodes in, uh, so rest assured of that. You can come with me if you want. Uh, I could, except I don't like that kind of music, and I would be miserable. I would, except it requires talent. Well, there's the problem there, yeah. Uh, if you need uh, a good heavy metal bass player to back you up someday, I'm your guy. I'll call you. I'll have to look that up again at podnets.com slash Kickstarter and learn more about it. Yes, do that. Thanks, James. Uh, so, um, quick bit of listener feedback. Uh, the last opportunity anybody will have to take a stab at Steve on this show. Wise One writes in and says, Sorry to hear about all of your iPad problems. Talking about me, I whined oh, about my mm. iPad recently. The more I think about it, uh, Steve C. didn't offer any suggestions f- to fix it, though he did mention you should re-gift it, then mentioned that he was Apple-free. Sounds to me like he misses his white device and wanted another one. Would love to hear his feedback on this thought. Yes, still ribbing him for his white obsessions. Ah, uh, the true reason why I'm leaving. <laughs> there the, you go. the white iPad stuff got to me. Yeah, um, there was just one joke too many. <laughs> I'll tell. I, I know he's kind of like doing this as a joke, but I am the kind of person where uh, I will get rid of all my Apple devices, and I won't miss them for about two months. And then I'll be walking through Best Buy and go, you know, that MacBook Pro 13-inch Retina looks really nice. And then I'll sell all my PCs and get one Apple. This is just the cycle I go through. So I'll be back to the Apple world. I just don't know when. I know myself too well. Even though I'm really in diving into Linux this last week, and I've loaded some great uh, audio programs on Linux. This is a little sidetrack, but anybody who, who uh, likes audio, even even uh, vocal recording for podcasting, you have Ardor. You have LMMS, which is, if you guys ever heard of Fruity Loops or FL Studio, it's like a clone of that program. And I just found another one called Q-Tractor, which is like the Reaper of on Linux. We've talked about Reaper before. Mm-hmm. Q-Tractor looks, uh, looks very good. And um, I'm impressed with what I've found so far. So maybe one day I'll be all Linux. Who knows? That, that'll be interesting. Because uh, uh, then the question will be, what color is your case? 
I'll never get away from that. Lime yeah. green will be the next <laughs> awesome color. Because if you go with an open source, a free Libre open source product, it can be any color you want. You can recompile your own can of spray paint and make it whatever you want. Right. James, what was that screenshot? Was that Q-Tractor? That screenshot was indeed that very Ooh, I thing. I didn't see that theme. Q-Tractor. That's a different looking theme. That looks nicer than the one I, I downloaded. At qtractor.sourceforge.net. It looks very, very pretty. That, yeah, it's got everything a digital audio workstation, a basic digital audio workstation, and somewhat advanced digital audio workstation needs. Um, again, I'm impressed. All right. So this show is uh, sort of... Uh, the the one last thing before you leave, we we trying to decide how we were going to send Steve off in style, and so what we decided to do was rather than take it with dignity and grace, we would suck every last bit of knowledge out of him we could before he left. So uh, this is um, Steve's brain dump. He's going to tell us all the stuff that we'll be missing with him not on the show. He's going to tell us about um, how to get a podcast going. From start to finish, how to know when you should die, uh, kill a podcast or leave a podcast, uh, or you know all all sorts of things right now. So this is just going to be a free flowing conversation because you know typically we're so very struct struct strict structured. Wow, my brain would not spit that word out. It's such a big lie I couldn't even say it. We're usually so very structured and rigid uh, with our show format. This this night we're just going to lay off and uh, have a conversation for once. So uh, Steve, ready go. Okay, well, let's just start at the beginning. I mean, people... <laughs> I can do a brain dump. Trust me, James. Um, James, you, did you like my, my introduction there? Was that a good segue? I, I thought the preparation of the questions was really what drove me to the Ready podcast. Go. Ready, go. He, he did about as much preparation as I did, actually. Um, when you get started... And I see how I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Um, yeah, we, we've talked about this before. You should definitely podcast about something you love and not do it just to make money, not pick a topic that you think is just going to be super profitable, unless you love, you would love that journey of just, you know, starting a show and see how much money you can make doing it. Um, I tend to think that if you have a, just a passion for a subject, there's probably other people around that have that same passion. And you, if you podcast about that, you will get those listeners. Um, the internet and the world is so huge that if you try to do like a general type deal rather than try to get like a niche audience, you're going to kind of just get lost in the mix. So my first tip is if you like cars and you want to podcast about cars, I probably wouldn't make a podcast about cars. I would make a podcast on how to fix Mustangs or all about Camaros or you got to like really dig down and pick the niche about cars that you really love because cars is just too broad. So that's what I would do with a podcast. Like instead of me making a podcast about computers, I made a podcast about computer repair. So there, that was my niche. And you know, you start getting people that are so into that niche that they will, they find you, they listen to you and they become a listener for life if you keep giving them good information. So try to find a niche that you are very knowledgeable in and would like to talk about and just start there. So. Uh, Steve, let me ask you, how important is knowledge? You said very knowledgeable in. Um, is it not okay to to be a learner 
and to report what you're learning? Or do you really think you have to, to bring the goods in terms of information and knowledge? It depends how you present yourself. If you start your podcast and say, I am just learning this just like you guys, and you say that pretty much before every show, you kind of put a disclaimer in. So if you give wrong information, you're not going to get killed. Um, I had a computer repair shop and I would come home and talk about the jobs I did. And I'd have people saying, oh, that's wrong. That was dumb. Stupid. I would have never done it that way. You're wasting your time. You know, and they would, you know, they, they would have those types of comments where. Oh, so you mean there were people on the internet listening to your show? <laughs> yeah. So I was made aware uh, a lot of times of, uh, better ways to do it. Sometimes in a positive way, in an email saying, Steve, thank you for the podcast. Check this way out. This is better. Or just saying, you're wrong. You should not talk about things you're not knowledgeable in. So you got, if, if you're not really knowledgeable, you got to be ready for that. But um, I wouldn't let that stop you, Mark. It's like you said, um, if, if you just do it as a learner, just just say, act, be yourself and act like a learner and just put a disclaimer in that you are a learner and uh, people will still be interested in it. You're kind of learning with them. So you could probably do without knowledge, but you've got to have the passion, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely say that. So once you have that established and you know what you're going to podcast about, the first thing I would probably do is set up a website for it. And even though you don't have no shows recorded yet, prepare your site and prepare your image for the content you are about to put onto the site. Um, my, I, I say, always say, do everything as a professional. So if you're not a good artist and you don't have a good sense of composition and you can't make graphics, don't make your graphics. Find somebody else to make your graphics um, and put them on your website. Having a professional-looking website is key because the way you're going to progress in your podcast is to have people go to your website, listen to your show, say that was good, he has a good image, his site looks professional, and then they will keep listening. And you know, if you'd want to get guests to your show, they're not going to probably not going to come on a show if your website looks like it was done with front page, you know, in '97. <laughs> so you know, have a professional-looking website. I recommend WordPress. We talked about this before. WordPress is so easy now, and there's so many cool themes. You don't have to hardly have any artistic talent at all. Just find a nice theme, uh, start up WordPress, um, that which is easy as well. Just follow the instructions on the site. And uh, you're going to want to have, as part of your WordPress setup, a ability to post audio files easily every time. So you could basically put your podcast up on the website in an easy way, and then it will create an RSS feed, and it does it all kind of automatically for you. So I love WordPress for that. I'm using Drupal now because I started five different shows, and I needed a more complex setup, and I didn't really know too much about things. And you know the guys over at the Twit Network were using Drupal, and they were basically the model I was following. So I just used Drupal. Turned out to be a great system, but it's more complicated than WordPress. But it's it's also highly customizable and very powerful. So uh, I would always recommend starting out with WordPress if you're doing one show. And there's no reason you couldn't do a different WordPress install and different website for every show if you're doing multiple shows. You don't have to do an indexed network style thing if you don't want to dig into something like Drupal. That's actually how I did it with Podnuts and Podnuts Daily. Podnuts Daily was my second show I started, and I had Podnuts on straight up HTML Dreamweaver. Anytime I wanted to update my RSS feed, I went in manually and put in the code. 
And that's why I, I got tired of doing that. And I said, well, my next site's not going to be on HTML. And I picked Blogger. So Podnuts Daily started on Blogger with just a stock theme. <laughs> but the graphic was nice at the top. So it kind of made up for it. And uh, that's how I, then I went and then I went into WordPress and then Drupal after that. So I would just start WordPress these days. I just did a Google search. I couldn't find podnutsdaily.blogger.com. I was hoping I'd, I could see it out there. I did actually use the, I didn't use blogger.com domain. Oh, I used okay. my own domain, but it was definitely on Blogger, which was great at the time. I couldn't complain. Um, so that is what I would do uh, once you know what you want to podcast about and you want to start setting things up. Prepare your home base is what I call it, your website. You always want to drive people to your website. Prepare that for people to come into and see how nice it is. You know, you want to show off your website. You want people to go there and be impressed. So make sure you do that. Don't have a crappy website. It's a, it's going to be a huge part of making your podcast successful. Uh, anything else on this, guys, before we move on? I, I like the idea of using the uh, blogger because whenever you talk to somebody who's just getting started with this and they're not into doing the whole website thing, I think it's uh, you tell somebody, oh, just load WordPress or load Drupal or load one of the other CMSs that you could find the content management systems. And a lot of ISPs try to make it easy for you, but it's still a number of steps to get it going. And I just love the idea of popping onto a blogger, setting up your page and you're done and you can get it done in an hour. Yeah, that is a great idea. I would just make one recommendation on top of that. And that is, if, I mean, if you really want to do it easy, super easy, you could just go to blogger and get a, domain.blogger.com and that or no dot blogspot.com do they still do it that way yes okay so your domain name would be like you know um bob's camaro show dot blogspot.com to me that doesn't sound professional at least at the very least get your own domain name and you can hook that up with blogger too so you it looks like it's your own personal website and not a blogger blog at least do that yeah, they were, we were talking about old websites. Uh, my first website was at tripod.com. Oh, that? good times. Yeah. Uh, and I had, um, it was called <laughs> the fondue pot, and it was a list of the cheesiest things on the web. Oh. Really? That's oh. pretty cool. Yeah. And I had links to things like um, uh, the original Tarzan movies and Knight Rider uh, and American Gladiator. It was just, <laughs> it was just a, a page full. You know how everything was back then? Is everything was centered in the middle, and it had like a probably yeah. a nasty star field blinking a background. Blink I'm tag. sure, I'm sure the blink tag was mm. used heavily, uh, and it was just, it was the fondue pot, and it was the link of of all the cheesiest things on the web. And it was so funny because I would get links back or, or emails back from people saying, "Hey, you linked to my site. Thanks, man. That was awesome." Dude, I was making fun of your site. Oh, really? <laughs> That's Back cool. then, everybody was so hungry for links. This was 96. So everybody was so hungry for links, they didn't care if I was making fun of it. True. That's awesome. All right. Sorry for that tangent there. No, that's good. My highlight of 96 was I, I would have these work. I, I went to college, and they would make me work half the year at a, a job they would get me. And then the other half of the year, we would go to uh, like classes. So it was called a co-op job. And we, I went to Drexel University in Philly. So I would go to these co-op jobs. And I was just a kid who just basically just wanted a party and I just did not want to be there. And I discovered the internet. That's around the time I discovered the internet when I was like in college. I'm really cranking on the internet. And my highlight of the internet for me back then was getting one of those virtual pets 
that pop up on your screen and run <laughs> around the screen, and you have a little fake ball and B- you throw Bonesy the ball and buddies? they chase. Wasn't that it? I can't remember what it was called, but they were. It was like very cheesy, cheap animation. It was all like circles, like just geometric shapes that made this little dog, and he would just run around the screen and sleep and eat, and you had to feed him and stuff. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> anyway. The next topic uh, we should cover then, now that you have the passion and now that you have your website set up, is equipment. You have to get equipment to make a good show. So it's time to go out and buy some equipment because your Logitech headset is not going to cut it. Um, I said this before, the days of going to an electronics store to buy your podcasting equipment is over. You now need to go to a music store to buy your equipment. Um, we're talking about getting like a, a nice mic and an audio interface, some headphones, like a mic stand. That's pretty much it. That's pretty much all you need to get started. Uh, Presonus bundles this all up into a little package. I don't know what they call it these days, but it's 250 bucks. It comes with a condenser mic, a set, a headphone set. Um, I think the same, one, maybe the same interface James has. Maybe James has a step up interface. Comes with an audio box in it. Um, and it's called like the Presonus Bundle Box or something like that. You'll find it if you do a search online. It's got all the cables, everything you need, and it comes with Studio One software. If you could swing, invest 250 bucks in your podcast, that is what I would get. You can't go wrong with it. Everything's pretty much good quality there. Otherwise, you could piece together stuff. You could buy your audio interface separately. I've recommended the Focusrite 2i2. You could buy your mic separately. I recommended the Shure SM58. Um, Software-wise, you can use Audacity to start off. It's free. Uh, but if you want to get... Any audio interface you buy will come pre-bundled with some type of software. It'll be Cakewalk. It'll be Ableton. It'll be Studio One. Uh, or it will be Cubase. It will be something. And it usually does the job just fine. So just use the software you like. And then that's that's the that's good enough equipment to get you started because you don't want to have crappy sound when you do your first show. You want to have a presentable website and you want to have presentable sound. So, what do you guys and do, think? Do you recommend recording straight into a PC or yes. a computer? Excuse me, Mac fans. A computer? Yes. I recommend recording into a computer. There's no reason not to these days. They're incredibly versatile. Just three days ago, I went out and I bought like a uh, handheld. It was called a Zoom R8. It was an eight-track recorder that you could plug instruments into and make multi-track recordings. Just because I, I kind of got tired of sitting in front of a computer screen, writing music or, and making, making, uh, audio productions. I wanted to have, I wanted to go back to the old days where you didn't have a computer and you just had knobs and faders and dials. And though the machine was great, it, you just, there's so many features that you, once you use a computer, you get spoiled. And those little machines, they, they do have the features, but you got to dig through like a, on a, Little screen, menu into menu, yeah. into a menu, into a menu, into a menu to get the option you want. Where on a computer, you could do it with one click. What are you talking so about? It's got yeah. four buttons on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I first started podcasting, I had an old uh, four-track recorder uh, that was uh, analog out. So I would record the show, then I would play it. So if it was an hour show, it took me an hour to play it back into the recording device on my computer and then edit it. Not a recommended way to do things. No. So, yeah, I would definitely use a computer. There's no reason not to these days. I, I, Like I said, I just did the experiment last week. I tried going back to the handheld type deal or a 
multi-track standalone recorder, and I returned it. And I bought, you know what I bought? A netbook. For, for the project I wanted to do with that little recorder, I went out and bought a netbook, which was cheaper, could do everything that thing could do, and is also a computer. So netbooks are pop. Netbooks are going away because every, all of them are on clearance and they're all open box buys now because the stores are just trying to get rid of them. Right. But, but they're still so much powerful than anything we had like 10 years ago. So I recently bought my kids a, a homework laptop for, and it was uh, an Intel uh, before the i series. What, what, what were those? Pentium 4, P4, I think it was. Uh, so it was, a, it was an old uh, processor, old. Uh, and I paid 230 bucks for it. It's 15 inch screen, you know, uh, less than what you'd pay for a netbook. And something like that, while it wouldn't, it would take you a while to do what you needed to do, it would be totally adequate for a first podcast. Totally. Totally. Audio does not take much CPU. This is not video rendering. This is not gaming. This is pretty light stuff. Your computer is going to start to be taxed a little if you want to add all kinds of crazy effects and reverbs and delays and all this, but you're not going to do that for a podcast. So you do not need a powerful computer to do this. Even a netbook can do like 20 tracks at one time. I mean, it's like computers are way overpowered for audio. You do just may worry. need to hit the render button and then go to work. You know, it may be that kind of thing where when you get to the actual <laughs> rendering of the file, it's going to take a while. Yeah, when you hit the final mix down of the file. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, that's that's the equipment I would get. Any any other suggestions on equipment, guys, that I missed? That covers the bases. I like the bundle because, you know, when you get it, you've got everything you need. You plug into a computer, you're podcasting. Done. Yeah. If you're doing a video podcast, now you have to have a camera. Um, you could try to swing it with a webcam. They've gotten a lot better these days, but I, dude, I still don't recommend it. Um, camcorders were made for recording video. I would get a camcorder. They still have just great picture quality. I'm using a Canon HF10. I got like four years ago and, uh, watch the, the Kickstarter, my Kickstarter video. I recorded that with the HF10 and that is after they squashed it with compression. And I didn't, I record, I recorded on the lowest setting and that's, and then they squashed it with compression. So you'll see the quality of that is still better than a webcam. So I would definitely invest in a camcorder and you could get HD camcorders now for like 200 bucks and standard ones for like a hundred. They're so cheap and uh, they are worth it. The only problem with camcorders is if you want to do a live show, some of them cannot stream out video live. It's I, I would say most of them, not some of them. But they're all, ha see, here's the thing. They all have H, not all of them, but they're, they're coming with HDMI outs now, which means it's like this new era where you can stream out through HDMI, but then you have to have an HDMI input card on your computer. So the cameras are now capable. It's just the computers that aren't now. And that input card would co cost more than the computer I mentioned earlier. Well, not these days. I mean, you've got some nice advantages, especially because you've got USB 3.0, you've got Thunderbolt. Those are very high-speed interfaces, and you can get some very nice HDMI interfaces these days for about $250. Still relatively expensive, but it, the prices have really dropped a lot, and the capabilities have really improved. And those are very nice ones. Um, you could buy not as nice as those, for 90 bucks, I've, saw them, I've seen them at CompUSA. I never tried one. I don't know if they work good. I always wanted to try it, but I didn't never pull the trigger. So, uh, yeah, you could stream HDMI for under 100 bucks. So, Steve, would, uh, would you counsel someone to start with video 
or do audio first and move into video? I'm I'm like an old timer now for podcasting, and I still like audio. I find most of my guys listen to their show in their cars or while they're doing chores or something. It, not a lot of people, not a lot of my guys who listen to my shows watch podcasts, watch my podcast. So uh, I still say your a chunk of it is going to be audio. It's still a good route to take first. But, you know, YouTube is is huge. And if you could start off with video and that's really what you want to do, then do video. Uh, I, I, either way is fine. It's audio is a lot easier than video. But it's also kind of strange to start audio and then transition to video. So, I mean, if your show is going to be a straight up video podcast from the beginning, do that. If you're going to do an audio, do audio and then add video later. But, yeah, that's what I have. James, to say. I expect you have some comment on that since you are the video guy. I think Steve's right on the money. Video is involved. It is, um, it is a number of steps to get it right. I, I have video in here and I'm still not completely happy with it, but I've got a lot of lights on right now. If you're watching the live stream, you see it's lit pretty well. I'm on a very, very inexpensive $100 Logitech camera that's connecting via USB into my computer. And then that's being fed out to the, the Google Hangout that we're on right now. Um, but even then, that's that's just grabbing the video and then the process of capturing the video, finding a capture device that will do it with the speeds that you need, uh, because sometimes you have older computers or computers that are doing things at the same time, and they're not really optimized to capture the video. And then once you have it, you've got to shrink it down to fit with particular compression schemes onto the internet. And that, that can be a, a lesson in multiple frustrations. If you've ever wanted to kill someone, you should first start rendering video and then you'll be boiling with your blood enough that you could go out and commit murder um, because it's so irritating to sit there and render for four hours and your video is finally done and you play it and it's a blocky mess. It's, it looks like Minecraft. And you're like, what happened to my beautiful <laughs> HD video? Uh, then you have to, there's a lot of learning to go there. Once you get it and you finally have the process, it, it finally uh, is, is much nicer to have to deal with. But it, it is an extra, a number of extra steps. And if you're just trying to get started, maybe that's not the place to start. Or perhaps you find someone who's done video before and, and learn a lot of, of what they've done so you don't fall into those same traps. Yeah. Or you could buy uh, videos at howtopodcast.biz. Um, anyway, the ne the next section is going to be a little technical and then we'll get into like how to present content, but let's talk about real quick, how to actually do the recording of your podcast. You know, once you have all your equipment set up, it's easy to just like hit record and start screaming into your mic, but you're going to, my recommendation is do some practice podcast, do some practice recording and learn how to use your audio software. For example, when you record an audio signal, it can be too soft or it can be too loud. If it's too loud, it's going to sound crackly. It's called clipping and it's going to sound as crackly. It's, and you're not going to be able to remove that. So you have to learn how to adjust the proper recording level for your audio. So it's not too loud and not too soft. Um, I guess a, I wouldn't say rule of thumb, but a tip is look for peaks and valleys. When you're recording your waveform, look for peaks and valleys, nice little peaks and nice little valleys in your waveform. If it's one big solid block, that usually means you're clipping too loud. And if it's one tiny little line with no peaks and valleys, that usually means you're recording too soft. But if you see a lot of peaks and valleys and it's all kind of 
doing that the whole way consistently through, you probably have a good audio signal recorded. So, uh, and on that uh, note, we've we've talked about this before, but I want to add in there: uh, being able to monitor yourself is critical. So, whatever you get, you need real time monitoring. You need to be able to hear what's going on, hear your own voice. And that uh, often is a difficult thing for people to overcome. They're uncomfortable hearing their own voice, but it is a critical skill that you must master. And it's not, it's not hard. You just do it. You just put your headphones on and you talk and you get used to the sound of your own voice. But I think it's, it's, we can't stress enough that you have to be able to do that so that you can know if you're producing good audio, if you're on mic, or if you get your head turned and you can't hear what's being said, you need to know that. Exactly. That is the reason why you do it. Not for any other reason. It's so you can hear yourself and kind of do quality control on your own voice while you're talking. So you'll, you'll know if you're talking too loud or too soft. So uh, that's, see, that is where cheap equipment and more expensive equipment, that's, that's where it starts to, that starts to happen. What Mark's talking about is called direct monitoring, and it, it doesn't happen on cheap headsets. You can't hear yourself. Um, cheap audio interfaces don't even have direct monitoring. So make sure you have direct monitoring so you can hear yourself. Usually interfaces, you're probably going to start around 50 bucks and up to get an interface that could do direct monitoring. And yeah, so that's a good tip. Um, after you have your, your audio recorded and you're comfortable with your recording level, then you can... Work on setting the level, like uh, doing little tweaks to the audio. You know, setting, if you have two tracks going at the same time, like you were talking and your guest was talking, practice balancing them out so they both are the same kind of volume. Um, if one guy has a lot of treble in his voice and it's real pitchy and squeaky, take the EQ, the equalizer, which all the uh, software has, all these digital audio workstation software has and tweak it down you know bring the treble down for the guy that has it too high if there's too much bass kill the bass a little bit try to make it consistent with all the people in the show so it makes it more listenable to the listener you know all that takes takes so much practice to get that even for a single person to get their audio levels right because it takes it takes recording it, listening to it, trying different levels, listening to it again. You leave your studio, you come back next week, things have been changed, and now you have to get it yeah. back to what was before. And then add another person. It just takes a lot of effort to finally get there. But it's more of practice makes perfect, I think. Because now I feel like I can sit down in my studio, I can uh, turn up the cameras, turn on the recording systems, and now I know what I'm looking for. Now I know what levels I should expect out of my different pieces of equipment. And generally, I can do pretty well now by sitting down and going with it. But it, you have to watch it because it'll, it will bite you if you're, if you're not careful. Yes. It's all about practice. I mean, I, like Mark said in the beginning, I've done like a, about a thousand shows. I just found a piece of software last week that I put on my Android App Addicts podcast that made it sound better. And I wish I would have used it a thousand shows ago. It was this, this compressor, a free compressor that uh, I used instead of the compressor that came with my my system. And it just made, a, made it much better. So uh, definitely uh, got to keep practicing. And that's the only way you're going to do it. I still make tweaks every single week on my shows. So um, That's about all I got for audio uh, recording, just technical issues. I think next we're going to go into content if you guys don't have anything else. Take it away. All right. The content of your show. 
Well, my biggest tip for this probably is when you actually do your show and you're hosting your own podcast, don't be a host. <laughs> just be yourself. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, just let it flow. Be natural. People really respond well to that. You don't have to pretend you're this uh, speaker that has to use perfect English and have to never say um or uh. Just I say for podcasting, just let it flow. You, you people will really like uh, equate, you know, connect with you if you do that. I remember one guy said to me one time, he goes, "You know, you really have the ever, the average everyday guy. You really have that down, Steve." I didn't even <laughs> quite know how to take it. You've been working on that, right? You, yeah. <laughs> it took you years to sound like you weren't faking it. Right. So um, that's what I suggest. Just be yourself and talk about what you're, you're passionate about. Don't go crazy with technicalities of how you're speaking and things of that nature. Just, like I said, let it flow and it'll go, it'll go really well and you'll have fun doing it that way. You won't have to change yourself. Just be yourself. Um, another thing you don't have to worry about when you're doing a podcast is don't try to be interesting. You know, don't try to be too clever or too funny or too interesting. Just speak about what you're passionate about. And if you do that, the people that are also passionate about that subject, they will be interested in that. So basically, a lot of times I say, don't try to be interesting, be interested in what you're talking about. And you never come off fake that way. And it just, you know, again, you click with your audience when you do that. Um, anything else, any on that thing on that so far, guys? No, I think we're good. Okay. More stuff on content. I love talking about content. Um, a huge part of being a host on a podcast is listening. I know I've had people tell me, oh, I would make a great podcaster. I love to talk. I think to myself, he's going to make a bad podcaster <laughs> <laughs> because especially if you're doing a show where you have guests on, uh, you want your guests to do the most talking, you know, uh, Let's see. If you're doing a show by yourself, okay, good. If you're a good talker and you like to talk, good. Do a show by yourself and that's fine. But if you have a guest on, it's really, really important to listen. Don't answer emails. Don't go in the chat room. Don't All this stuff takes your attention away of what somebody is saying to you on the show. Your guest is speaking. Um, it's like if you had a conversation. Think, if that person, think about it if that person was sitting in the room with you and talking to you. Would you go answer emails or try to or do something else or go to the bathroom or something like that? No, you wouldn't. That takes away, in my opinion, from the content of the show, the flow of the show. You're having a conversation with somebody. When you stop having a conversation with somebody, there's going to be a communication breakdown and that will hurt the, con the qu content and quality of your show. So I'm famous for what, during my shows, not doing too much in the chat room. I don't even know how the guys feel about that in the chat room. But I feel it's my duty to listen. And it's, it actually takes an effort to listen throughout a whole show to guests. And when you do that, you become a really good host because then you can make transitions great into one subject into another. Your acknowledgments of what they say is accurate. It's spot on. Like if they said, I killed a horse yesterday, you don't go, that's great. You actually go, wow, you did? Because you were listening to them. So your acknowledgments are appropriate. I, I've listened to shows where... Somebody has a pat acknowledgement because he, basically he's not listening to the guest. They just know that when the guest stops talking, they need to say something. So the guest will say something like, oh, yeah, and I just made $2 million last year. And the person will go, mm-hmm, cool. 
And I, uh, I also wrote this book and it sold like 10,000 copies. I'm really happy to promote that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Like <laughs> th- he's not listening. So I, I don't like listening to podcasts where you could tell the host is doing something else or is bored. I like when they appropriately acknowledge the guest, not because it's proper, but because I know the host is listening to the guest. And then the host usually has something cool to say in return. So being a good host means listening. It's a huge part. And I mean listening to every word that that person says so you can have a real conversation. I can't stress it enough. It really makes shows um, that much better, I think, in quality. What do you think, guys? Yeah, I think listening is critical. You can't... uh it's an interview. It's a two-way process. It's not a question. Uh, you know, it's not an inquisition. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of my biggest tips about podcasting. And when people actually tell me, uh, Steve, I think you're a good host, I attribute that mainly to listening to the guest. That's basically all it is, is paying attention. So definitely do that and your shows will flow. The guest will have a great time because he feels like he's being heard and he's having an enjoying conversation. He's enjoying the conversation and the listeners will like it because it's just like you you and your guests were just having a talk and you re- happened to re- be recording it while you did that. And they like that. All right. Um, did you have something, James, or no? I, I think that, that that one thing that you mentioned about uh, if you're the host listening to what's going on um, is another one of those things that is a is a trained or, or a trained uh thing that you must do you must always practice that particular piece it's not something that comes easily for most people because we're so we're so taught to talk a lot you you gave that great example of the person who says i can talk so i'm under great with this podcasting thing but but uh, that's one of those times where you have to stop and and turn it around completely and it is really really hard to do that for a lot of people myself included because now we're having to to listen to what's going on and more importantly lead the conversation to where it happens to be going. Um, we've talked about that before, how you have to be flexible enough that if if the, the person who's on the podcast takes you a direction, go with that for a while. Ask the questions you would like to know about that. Ask the questions you think other people would like to know about that. Even if it's not your show notes, it may not even have anything to do with the show title. It may not even be something you planned on talking about, but sometimes you get the most interesting conversations that way. Yeah. I love that. That's perfect. If you have a show structure and you strictly adhere to that, um, forget it. You don't need to have that. If somebody's going in a certain direction and you think that that's tremendously interesting, go with it. Just like James says, Um, abandon your show structure and just go with what's what's good and what you are interested in. Um, It makes it really easy to do transitions and stuff when you do that. And yeah, it's it's a really good tip. Nice. Well, one thing to uh, watch out for is that uh, that twin monkey that you have to have on your back of of not only being an interviewer but of being a producer. So if you're if you're going to do both sides of it, you've got to learn to be a multitasker. Uh, you've got to learn to uh, troubleshoot, uh, to read, to to listen, to engage all at the same time. And um, you know that may sound daunting if you're just starting out, but just understand these are. These are skills that you have to shoot toward, not skills that you have to do have day one. Yeah, I remember when I had my full-blown podcasting rig set up, I would start up a program called Wirecast for video. I would start up my audio software, 
And every time I, I would have it all set up. So whenever every time somebody talked, I would click a button to choose his camera. So the camera would be on him. And I did that through the whole show. So you're basically being an engineer and you're being the host. And I remember thinking to myself, wouldn't it be great to just sit in front of the mic and not have to worry about all this stuff? Well, that's almost what I do now with Google Hangout. Uh, the camera switching is all automatic. As long as you're re recording good quality audio into your computer and all your guests are doing the same, you have to do, you could do very little engineering work and still come out with a great show. You do all the work at the end, not during the show. So yeah, don't go crazy. And that, that does take practice driving those, driving the show and being the engineer while you're being the host. It can be done. At first, it might seem impossible, it, but it definitely can be done. It just takes practice. Like right now, while we're having this conversation, I'm troubleshooting a problem with the video feed. Uh, so that's when you said, uh oh, we lost Mark. Actually, it was just the video feed that went away. Um, but see, I'm, I'm, I'm able to, to have a conversation all at the same time. I, I'm not going to say I'm super good at either of them, but uh, I was able to listen and I'm able to comment here while I'm trying to get the video feed back. So those are the sort of things if you put, if you're going to wear both hats, the producer hat and the host hat, you have to be able to do that sort of stuff or at least be very transparent about it and say, um, okay, this isn't working. <laughs> this is why it isn't working. Uh, bear with me uh, and then go on from there. So uh, you, you can do either way. You can either try to keep the wizard behind the curtain or you can just be very honest about it and say, I'm not very good at this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I, yeah. I've decided I really have to do both things. Um, when I had uh, a video podcast I was doing with one other person, I was running the camera. It was Wirecast. I was moving from camera to camera. We were looking at things on the internet. We were popping into different views, sort of like that I've got now where I can go to a certain website. I can pull things up and look at it and change the way the screen looks. Um, and it was really hard to do the first couple of episodes. And then yes. as we got into it, it's almost like second nature. It's just a normal part of what you're doing. What I want to do with my next video, with the next um, studio build I do is have separate recorders going so that every camera is always being recorded. That way, if you are producing something and you accidentally flip over and suddenly there's nothing on the screen, it's okay. They saw that live, but later on you can go back and post and put in the right piece right behind it because you have the video feed from that. The old fix it in post. Fix it. It'll fix it in post. We'll fix it all in post. Yes. Yep. Good stuff. It's all about practice. It does come naturally too. And it's sometimes it's kind of fun to drive the show and do all the camera stuff while you're doing a show if you get good at it. Um, last thing on guests is many of you may be asking, how do I get guests? How do, how I, do get I get really guests? guests? <laughs> like James is a sample of the many I was talking about. Um, getting high, high profile guests depends on a few things. It's very, very, very easy, but it depends on a few things you have to have in place. If you want to get a good guest on your show, your website better look professional. It just better be good. And I think you also have to have shows on your site already done and posted that are also good, good quality audio. In other words, if the person you're asking to come on your show, this high profile person is thinking about it, they're going to come to your site and they're going to listen to at least a sample of your shows. So make sure that you're, you've got stuff up there and it's good. And if you did everything we talked about so far, you, you're there, you have it. And then the next thing is, to get guests, uh, when I got some pretty good guests, I had Mark Rusinovich on a show. I had 
I had some pretty good guests. I just emailed them. I made sure all my elements were in place, my site and, I, and my everything was good. And I just emailed them. I found their email address online. I emailed them. I said, would you like to be on the show? I had no spelling errors in the email. Punctuation was good. Capital letters where needed. Spaces, commas, all that crap. Put it in there. If you don't know how to do it, then find somebody who can. It's really important. Um, and just email them. Fire away an email and ask them to be on their show. People love to be interviewed. 90% of the time, they'll say yes. What do you guys think? You I had think Mark Rosinovich? <laughs> yeah. I missed that episode. Oh, yeah. I didn't even email him. A listener of mine emailed him and said, you should be on Steve's show. And he said, okay, well, can you email me? And he, he said, yeah. So he, he told me to email Mark, and we got Mark on the show. Um, so getting guests is super easy, but you just have to have a professional image so that when they check you out, they go, okay, this guy is legit. That is all about guests. That's I think we do doing. have uh, an advantage in podcasting is that it is a relatively small community. And uh, a lot of the ones, there are some podcasts that all they do is they're marketing podcasts that have have effectively getting people to interview so they can build a business on interviewing people. I don't know how viable that business strategy is, but it is one to think about. I think the vast majority of podcasts, though, are topical podcasts. They are about particular subjects. They have a point to them. There is information coming from them. And I think those tend to get better guests on than some of the others that are simply interview style podcast for the sake of doing interview style podcasts. Totally. Any other tips on this guys before we move on? You kind of need to be interested in people, right? If you're um, anti-social and you don't get people, maybe you shouldn't do a show where you have to interact with people. <laughs> Just a, a little tidbit of advice there. Yes. All right, I was going to talk about promotion and marketing next. What do you think? Go right ahead. It's your show, man. No, I'm, I did more talking on this show than I've ever done. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing a seminar. <laughs> um, <laughs> Are you using your notes from your from your video? Yeah. I, I Actually, thought yeah. I recognized the format. I, I was just I was scrambling in the beginning. I'm like, how can I have an outline here? Oh, I do have an outline. Um, but this is all good stuff. This is a summary of my videos. I'm actually giving away all the best information. So you guys don't even need to buy them now. Um, <laughs> Jumpstarting your podcast. I, like I said before, I've told the story a million times. I went from zero listeners to 300 overnight. Um, here's what I did. I found somebody in my field, in my niche, who is a prominent person that many people listen to. And I found a way to communicate with that person. And in a way that he told his listeners about my site. Um, Leo Laporte had a radio show called The Tech Guy. I called in. I said I was starting a podcast about computer repair. All of his listeners heard it because it's a call-in show. Now, not everybody has a, quote, Leo Laporte, but you have somebody. For example, I'm doing electronic dance music now. I listened to a podcast of a guy who takes emails and reads them on his show. So, there's always an in, especially with social media these days. There's always an in where you can directly connect to somebody who is prominent and an opinion leader in your field and probably get them to give you a plug. So you have to look and don't tell me that that person doesn't exist because they do. 
You just have to look and put your neck out there and connect with them. Send them an email and uh, let them give you a plug. You could you could just totally jumpstart your show that way. It's pretty easy. You think? All right, that's what my major tip. Second is just all the normal marketing stuff you should do for a podcast. The second thing I did was I went to every podcast directory I could find on the internet that looked legit, and I posted for free my podcast there. That helps. Um, iTunes, Podcast Alley, uh, whatever directory is big these days, you know. Um, submit yourself to. I mean, do, do you even, really do you really believe in the effectiveness of of podcast directories? iTunes still yes, definitely. I think even people with Android phones and use Linux still search iTunes for podcasts. It's kind of the place to find them. Still, even though Apple's trying to try to separate them off, um, it's definitely worth it, and it's free. It doesn't. It, it can't hurt. Um, so yeah, do go to all the podcast directories. Um, what else did I did? Oh, I googled computer repair because that's what my podcasts were about. Computer repair. I, I sat down one day. I said, "How can I market my show?" Well, let me Google computer repair and see who ends up number one or who's on the front page. So I did that. I went down the list and I emailed everybody, every site that came up that looked like it would fit. I emailed them and say, can I put an ad on your page or I do a podcast, uh, can I? Can you, can you talk about it or promote it? You know, one guy who was number one said, well, he, he basically lived in the same city I did, which was Philadelphia, and he, he put it up there for free because he thought it was a value for his customers, his readers to listen to that show. And I just went down the list. I met, I met Bryce Witte from TechNibble that way. Um, I met a guy named Justine Young, who is a uh, electronics repairman and teacher and writes all kinds of great ebooks. And we've done lots of promotions together. Um, you just find the guys that are doing it right and connect up with them. And you offer them a value. They offer you a value. Just be smart about it and uh, team up with them. Make good friends too. I consider both of those guys my friends now. Um, use Google. Just do that. Search for your keywords and <laughs> find those sites and just email away. And uh, promote your show that way. It's free again. Uh, what else did I do? After I did that, um, oh gosh, I can't remember. So I'm sure I talked about it in my videos at howtopodcast.biz. <laughs> <laughs> you ever nice. do any um, advertising with things like Google AdWords? Uh, yeah, I did a little Google AdWords and. I, I never liked advertising for my podcast with Google AdWords because I could never track my conversion rate, which is how many, how much, how many people actually came from that ad and became a listener. I, there is ways to do it. I just never put in that structure into place to find out how profitable or how effective the ads actually were because those ads cost money. I was trying to do all the free stuff first, right. but you got to love AdWords. It's, you gotta love it. I mean, it's a, you could turn on ads and on and off like a switch. If you have an ad up there and you don't want it on there, the next minute you just turn it off. It's not like you have to pay 500 bucks a month for something you don't know if it's going to work or not. You turn it on for a day or a week and turn it off if it doesn't work and tweak it and then turn it back on again. I love AdWords. Um, AdWords has become more expensive these days. It was awesome back in the day where it was a nickel per click and you can almost always get a nickel per click oh, was the best. But now you're in the 30, 40, 50 cents dollars per click. So it's more expensive, but 
It's laser targeted. If somebody does a search for computer repair and your ad is on there and says computer repair, you can't ask for a better match between you and the visitor than, than connecting up with Google AdWords. So I only did a little bit of it though, James. Have you? I use it all the time, but I've got, I have these videos that I promote and just the website in general. Uh, just say you want a free video. Here it is. Um, it's one of those give and takes. I'm spending money to drive people to a free front end, but the, the, uh, the business model is one that makes the revenue in the back end. So uh, like you said, you get to control that though. You get to decide how much do I spend even per day? If I only want to spend two and a half dollars a day, you can tell AdWords, I only want to spend two fifty a day. And as soon as you get two fifty, they'll cut you off for the day. And they'll tell you, yeah, well, we finished your day at 10 in the morning or we finished your day at 10 at night. Right. You may want to think of sticking a little more money in there. And I think right. to your point again, it's also nice to have a way to track that so that you know exactly how many people are clicking and coming to you. And then if you have a point to them arriving at your site, if your, if your intention is for them to watch videos, listen to a podcast or purchase a product that you have a way to tell if they're actually doing that and how much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely use Google Analytics and the analytics in Google AdWords. Um, they kind of mesh together and you could track that kind of stuff. You could put code mm -hmm. on your pages that you, you want where if somebody lands on that page from the ad, Google tracks it. So it lets you know. Um, you could even have start a mailing list and have Google AdWords point to the mailing list, and then you'll know how many signups you get from the AdWords. There's tons of ways to do it. Um, AdWords has, has come a long way. It's so versatile now, and you could do video ads and text ads and commercial. You can do anything you want with Google AdWords now. So it's awesome. It's another one of those things that's very, very involved to get set up. There are books written on the subject of using AdWords. Yeah. Um, it's a lot like when we said there are easy ways to do this and there's more complex ways to do it. This would really be one of the more complex ways to do it. But I think if you even use uh, a small percentage of the things they're providing to you, you can do some interesting things with your advertising. Absolutely. Yeah, and there are ways to kind of dig deep in the AdWords so you're not spending tons of money and you're getting clicks that nobody else is getting. Because some guys are going for the big general keywords, computer yep. repair, where some guys are going for um, laptop repair for screens in China. You right. Know, it's, it's like you just really drill down. It takes work, but it, it's definitely worth it. Now, I'm curious about how you think this translates to a podcast, right? So uh, you just described a business opportunity, a computer repair guy. Uh, James, your your business model is show up and, and watch, and, and I will serve you ads and make money off of that. Or And you also have products to sell. But in my case, um, I am trying to convince people to download a 60-meg file, um, and, and I wonder about the, you know, if efficacy of, uh, a Google AdWord to do that. Um, what, and, sure. and, and, you know, how am I going to, to see the benefit of that? I need, I need a little clarity there. You know, we talked at the very beginning of when you start your podcast, uh, find something that you really enjoy, um, so that you can go about doing it. And, and what one of the things that was not mentioned is at the very beginning, some people do podcasts to make money. There's a business idea behind it, either to sell time on the podcast themselves, or they have another product that they would like to sell and they're using the podcast as a marketing tool, but they have set up some type of business model around using that podcast to be able to do that. And so in those cases, I think there is a cost justification you can make 
behind using some type of advertising. AdWords is an example of that, of something you might pay for, but using that to be able to drive people to download the podcast that ultimately perhaps gets them to a Kickstarter or gets them to a set of videos that they can purchase or gets them to something else that you may be promoting, or perhaps it's the podcast itself. Uh, there's that, that arbitrage you can do. If you're spending five cents to get people to a podcast and the download will make you 10 cents, well, there you go. You've now made money on that. Yeah, and you might have a lifelong listener on your hands. It took you five cents to get him to listen to one show, and now you can deliver a message to him every week for as long as you podcast if he sticks around. Um, but I think you have to ask yourself, Mark, what are people that if they land on Elementopi, what were they looking for? Like, what is somebody looking for when they find my show? And you got to match those two things up. If they're looking for, if they type into Google Linux podcast and an ad comes up and it says Linux podcast at Elementopi and they click on it, well, they got what they came for. So that was well done. And they're listening to a, your Linux podcast now. So it might be worth it. You got to find out what they're looking for and match that up to what you got, you know? To make it work, yeah. And, and any analytics, uh, Google Analytics, for example, a free little thing you can add to your website will tell you that it'll give you uh, the the average, the top searches that you get you there. In my case, um, like ninety nine percent of my traffic is referral, as in somebody recommended me because they're typing in either the, the Tightwad Tech or Element Opie or uh, Everyday Linux. So they're they're searching on what I've got. So somebody told them, hey, go check this out through a social media campaign right. or something like that. Uh, I rarely get uh, somebody just browsing around for Linux podcast and found that. So maybe maybe the idea is to, to increase that. Uh, I don't know, but my current traffic is, is seems to be uh, either word of mouth or dumb luck, and I don't have anywhere in between. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting so somebody either just stumbled on the site uh, but more likely somebody was directed here in some way right yeah there's tons of ways to promote I would just say get inventive guys and go for it alright why don't we talk about making money then we'll talk about community and then I'm that's, that's all I got um, making money with your podcast you know once you have I would say a couple thousand listeners, even less than that. It doesn't matter how many listeners you have. You can always promote stuff on your show. Um, here's another thing that's really easy, I think, is, is getting sponsors for your show. Say your show is about computer repair. You do a show every week about computer repair. You have people that listen. You have people that email you and ask you questions. You have people that send you voicemails. You have an established show and people like it. Um, find out what those people are interested in that are listening to your show and might consider buying and then email the company that sells that thing and say you want to be a sponsor on the show. When I was a computer repair technician, I used Mal, uh, Super Anti Spyware every day in my shop. It was a program I had and it removed a bunch of malware and I recommended it to my guys all the time and I talked it up and I said it was great because I, I actually used it and I liked it. This was even before they were a sponsor. And then I emailed him one day and had him as a guest, the creator of the software, I had him as a guest on the show. And then I talked to his, to his marketing guy and said, you know, I'd love to, uh, would you guys be interested in being a sponsor? And he said, yes. And um, <clears throat> we did it for a month and worked out great. He was very happy and uh, we made money and he got customers. It's just that easy. You got to find sponsors that are a good match with your show. 
and just email them. Email their marketing guy. He might ask you for statistics. Send them to him. Um, send them some of the emails people are sending you saying how great they love your show and how much they appreciate it. You, you know, send positive things that would let him think that it might be worth investing money in your show. Um, if you do it a couple times and now you have a track record, you could show results to new potential sponsors. Be like, look, you know, he, this, this company was a sponsor with me for three months. We sent him 7,000 people and he made this much money. I mean, build up a, uh, a track record of sponsors and good results. And if you're not getting good results, then you got, you got to work on it. Um, Here's a question for you. This is a conversation that uh, my partner in the, in the company and I have had a number of times. Uh, and I just want to get your opinion, both of you, on this. Um, what about um, giving away free ads to big names? Like, say I went to Intel and said, I will give you an ad on my site at no cost for the cachet of saying brought to you by Intel. So that might make me more uh, uh, appealing to other advertisers if they see that their competitors have advertised on the show. What do you think about that? I'll I'll give my opinion real quick first. I don't like it. You're kind of avoiding the main goal, which is to have a sponsor to make money. Maybe people will be impressed, but it, it doesn't mean you made money that month. There's no reason not to go straight to a sponsor, Mark, that you think would be good for your show and just ask them. You know, say um, 50 bucks per thousand listeners or make up a price of 100 bucks per show. If you pay me 100 bucks per show for a month, this is how many listeners I have and this is how I think it'll work out and send them all the statistics and stuff. But just uh, find start, start off by finding good matches for your show. You probably have an idea of people that might be a good match as a sponsor, right, Mark? Have you thought about that? Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I would just fire away an email to those people and, and bypass the whole big company for free thing. What do you think, James? I, I don't discount anything. I think it's a an idea to bring up with them. I don't know if Intel is a good example of that. Intel's so huge, and they actually have a lot of money in marketing that they could spend on things like advertising on a podcast. And you don't have to give it away for free because you have very good content, and they have money that they're happy to spend so that you're able to talk about them on the air. Um, I think there probably is a sweet spot for that probably not with the big monster sized names that are out there but there may be ones that are are the the c and d players along that i'm i'm always open for new ideas on how to do things um because i'm 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 convinced that there are no rules anymore and i think as soon as everybody else figures that out that uh that things will be a lot more exciting but in the meantime i plan on taking advantage of that that's a good one it will be exciting. Crazy, unconventional marketing techniques from all angles. <laughs> um, yeah, and, uh, you know, my homepage of podnuts.com gets a lot of traffic, but, and I've gotten more requests from people just emailing me. I, you know, this is after a couple of years, emailing me saying, can we, we want to sponsor your show. We want to put a banner on your page. If that ever happens to you guys, I would strongly encourage them to be like, fine, we can do a banner on the page, but also get them to be a sponsor in the actual podcast because it's so much more effective than a banner ad and you want them to see good results. I'm always afraid to just put a banner ad for companies because I don't know, banner ads don't do it for me. They don't get, I don't think they get great results. I mean, unless you really tweak the campaign and really know what you're doing on, maybe you can, but uh, I'm always 
uh, feel my, I always feel much more bad, much better when they let me do a spoken ad from my mouth, from my opinion, in my words for a minute or two on my show about their product. Way, way more effective, I think. Most of, most of the people that listen to my show don't even go to pod.com. I think they just get it in their RSS feeds. They never actually go to the website. So, uh, sure, sure, put up the banner ad, but always, always suggest that they put an ad in your show. And this way you can, you know, you can deliver the goods and get them great results. So definitely recommend doing that. Yeah. I'm not a big, I think, um, banner ads are the way of the past. And not the future. And I think you're right. More and more, you know, Apple finally closed that loop by allowing you to download directly to their devices. People don't even need a computer for a podcast anymore. So if you're still using a monetization scheme that requires people to be sitting at their computer, I think you're, you're, you know, you may work fine for a while, but I don't think there's a lot of a future in it. Uh, I think there's a, you got, you got to go different now in James's case where it's video they literally have to be watching the screen to get the content. That's entirely different. But like you said earlier, most uh, podcast listeners are doing it while they're doing something else. They're not sitting in a quiet room focused on what you're saying. They're doing it while they're doing something else. Yeah, I guess it would be a little different for video. Plus on a banner ad, I mean, people just click on anything. And a lot of times, you know, if you charge per month for your banner ad, like I charge a guy at 350 bucks a month, I don't know how many people are going to click on that banner ad, you know? At least I know when I do a, a podcast spoken word how many people I'm going to reach, and I just feel much better about it knowing I could deliver results. Banner ads are just such a toss-up. I think banner ads are just one of the one of the things that you should be doing. It should not be the thing you do. Yeah. Good one. I love James. He's always like, don't discount that. Don't discount that either. Don't discount that. I make a lot of money on banner ads, so they are absolutely a viable advertising alternative, um, but they're not the only thing you should be doing. They, they, they definitely need to be included with a lot of other pieces. Yeah, good call. Maybe I should do more banner ads. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, uh, oh, last thing on making money. I've had the most success where I make my own products and sell them because People who are listening to my podcast are usually listening to me. So if I come out with a product from me, they're probably like more likely to buy it than if Joe came out with a product and tried to pitch it to them. So um, usually if you're really passionate about something and you're really good at something and you're podcasting about it, you can make an informative product about that and sell that to your guys. I think that's the best way. I mean, you just you're intimately connected with it. You can deliver technical support, answer any questions. You don't have to, there's no middleman. It's just, it's all you. So um, definitely consider doing that. I mean, even an ebook, um, some videos, doesn't have to be hugely complex and a big production, but make it professional, as professional as you can and uh, deliver the goods Always and always over deliver. Give them a little something extra than what they expected and uh, you're golden if you do that. Under promise, over deliver. I like it. Yeah. Uh, those are the main ways uh, to make money with podcasting. I would make more money, honestly, with Podnuts right now, but I don't like going out <laughs> looking for sponsors and wearing that man that marketing guy hat. If I had a real strong passion for that, I'd be making a lot more money with the podcasting. I just want everybody to know that it can be done. I, so. I think that's why there are people in the world who are marketers because yeah. it takes a special person to want to do that. 
You know, just like the not everybody can produce a podcast. Well, they can, but they're not going to be good at it. You you have to just you know you have to have your niche. And I would love if somebody in you know in my community stepped up and said, you know, I am a marketer for a living, and I'd be happy to give you you know some of my efforts you know an hour a week you know just for the fun of it uh, because they would be good at it and they would be passionate about it. Whereas I'm going to be fumbling along, making every mistake conceivable. Uh, so, it, you know, it's, I think those are opportunities that once you build a community, it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing, right? You have to, you have to market to build your community, but once you build your community, you can find somebody, uh, to, to help you market. Definitely. It's a good segue into community, Mark, too. Want to talk about that? That was totally accidental. I didn't mean to do that at all. <laughs> um, the last thing I have in my outline here is Community. This is probably the most, um, let's see, this is what makes it all worth it, actually. This is the most beneficial, pleasing thing about podcasting is you start to build a community under your show, and they interact with you, you interact with them, they're interested in you, you're interested in them, you build up relationships, you make new friends. I went to Ohio Linux Fest this last year with... Almost everybody there I've never met in real life. I met them through the community of my podcast and other podcasts. So you make, and I've talked to them for years. They're better friends than the friends I have locally. And these are the kind of things that happen when you start a show. These are like the magical, killer, awesome benefits of doing a podcast. You make friends, you have fun, there's this give and take, uh, you learn things, you you meet people and you do things you never thought you would have done. Um, so take care of your community. Uh, when, when people are emailing you about your show, email them back, always answer your emails, answer their questions. Um, set up a, pl- when, when you're, you get enough emails where you're like, wow, there's enough people that are interested in this. Start up a, a forum or whatever this new social thing is to do these days. I still do forums. Um, I think they're still okay. And um, this gives a place where the guy that, that was emailing you to ask you a question, now he has somebody else there that could also answer the question. Right. And it takes it, so it either it takes the load off you, but it also builds a community where everybody can help each other out instead of just you helping everybody, everybody asking you questions and you helping them and them helping you. And you just put everybody together in one big room and there they are. And that grows, you know, like wildfire. And they're all excited to talk to each other and listen to the shows and talk about the shows. So definitely start a forum. I use PHPBB as my forum. I don't know. It just I saw it on a couple other sites. I thought it was looked okay, so I used it. It's free and is it open source, Mark? It is. It's yes. Good. Yeah, it's free and open source. Uh, never had a real problem with it. You know, you get the you get the spam in there. I think that's common with every forum, but they're always updating it and uh, doing security stuff. So you could always try to keep the spammers out. And uh, it's been fantastic. Community is just awesome. Yeah, that's funny. This is the the most animated you've been about anything we've talked about tonight. You know, when we mentioned community, you you got all excited and you started bouncing around, sort of like you know, looked like a, a boxer hitting a gnat or something. You were you were jumping around, but uh, <laughs> you can tell this is what gets your juices going and probably what's kept you in uh, you know podcasting uh, long past your uh, desire for the content has passed it's the it's the the community and and um, that's that's the powerful thing about it you get to be uh, part of something bigger than yourself and I think that's uh, uh, that right there is reason enough to start a podcast and stick with it 
Yeah, it's true. I, I didn't realize how excited I got, but it's it's what makes it all worth it. And I feel like now that I'm, I'm switching out and doing something else, I feel like I'm letting people down. This is the feeling I get. Some of them make it known to me. Others don't, but kind of wish that I was, I was still doing shows. But, you know, the way I look at it, I'm still going to be part of the community. It's like I'm never going to leave. Um, so I, I'm not looking at it like a super sad thing. I'm still going to be there. I'm just not going to be doing all the shows. So, uh, yeah, but that's, that's the kind of thing. You have these friends. You don't want to let them down. And these were people you never met or knew before you started doing your show. So this is kind of why we put it at the end. I put it at the end. It's kind of just brings it all around full circle. It's, it, keep, it keeps you going, your community. It makes it worthwhile. And it's just such a good reason the podcast is to build the community. Great. And that's all I got. Um, I basically was using the outline of my how to podcast videos. So you got just a little piece of each section there. Those um, sound awfully interesting. If I wanted to see more about those, where would I find them? Thank you, James. You would go to howtopodcast.biz to uh, purchase them. And I think you guys really like them. I, I did a whole seminar all weekend. It's like 10 hours of everything I know about podcasting. And I even show you the whole back end of Podnuts, my old studio, and I actually had it full-blown with all the equipment, where all the wires go. There's a little diagram that shows where all the wires are connected to. And uh, it'll definitely help you if you start a podcast. If you if it doesn't, then uh, of course I'll give you your money back. But I, it's, it's impossible that these videos will not help you with podcasting. Possible. It's impossible. It's an absolute. And And what's that URL again? How to podcast.biz? Is it not working? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Say it again. How to podcast.biz. Okay, there we go. Just wanted to make sure that uh, we all got that. Uh, James, is there anything that you do that uh, you might want people to know about? No. Okay, good. <laughs> I spend all my days and nights, uh, all of my spare time anyway, which turns out not to be spare time, making videos uh, for IT professionals on how they can be smarter with their. Uh, their hardware, their networking, their Linux, their Windows, their security, and a lot of other things at ProfessorMesser.com. Great. So uh, we like to end this show every week with a lesson learned, or um, you know, it's easier than calling it a tip of the week. So, uh, Steve, have you got one final lesson you'd like to share with our audience? Yes. <clears throat> I strongly believe that you only get what you want. If you wish for bad things or you, not wish, if you think things are going to go wrong, they will. If you know things are going to go right, they will. So you basically only get what you want. So a quick example, I, it really hit home with me today. I talked about earlier in the show, I bought a netbook. I went to, uh, I decided I wanted a netbook after I got rid of that other recorder and Netbooks are hard to find these days, guys. They're really being phased out. So Best Buy is just clearing them out. There's all these open box ones. But I wanted this Asus netbook. And then I saw the gateway and HH Gray had the gateway and it was like 200 bucks. And I found the Asus for 175 open box. But I'm like, it's still too expensive. It's 200 bucks for new and it's not enough of a discount. Anyway, today I, I kind of decided I really want this Asus. I went to one Best Buy and they didn't have any. And then I said, I'm going to try a Best Buy up the street. I went to this other Best Buy. They had a whole table laid out of laptops that were marked, that were all open box laptops, plus an additional 
15% off of those. And I saw the netbook I wanted. And it was usually the open box price is 175. This was marked down to 79 bucks. It was the exact one that I wanted. And it was 15, I got 15% off of that 79 bucks. So why was it 79 bucks? Well, it didn't come with a battery and it didn't come with a battery adapter. Well, being a laptop repair technician, I had an extra laptop adapter at home that would fit it. I needed to do some soldering, but it fit it. And um, I'm going to buy a battery on eBay for like 20 bucks. So in, in other words, I decided I wanted that laptop. I didn't buy it at any of the other places I saw because I wanted it cheaper and I got it cheaper today. So it's a really powerful thing. Apply it to everything you do in life. Um, you only get what you want. So want good things, expect good things, and you'll get good things. Wow. The power of positive thinking. Yes, it works. I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it's profound. James, how about you? Do you have a lesson you learned this week? Mine is also about positive thinking. <laughs> I, um, you know, what Steve just mentioned finding those hard to find things. And I'm one of those guys that likes to go into like the Goodwill store and poke around and find somebody that has selling something that for a price that's just unbelievable. And I made the mistake this weekend of going over to the shopgoodwill.com site, which is an auction oh. site that Goodwill has created for all oh. of the things they have. Now, at the, wow. <laughs> to give you an idea what? about this, at the top of the site is a, a, a category for ugly slash festive holiday sweaters and another category for weird and wonderful things. But from a perspective of podcasting, you can go in here and type mixers and they've got 12 channel mixers for $25 that are currently being auctioned. Or to Steve's point, you can go through and search right now for netbook, as he mentioned, or which are harder to find. And there's a whole page full of them that are, are being sold at different prices for different models. And it's an auction site. And the, the beauty of oh it God. is once you win the auction, they ship it to you from goodwill. You don't have to hope that the guy who's selling it is going to get it for you. You at least have a, some, a place to go. Plus, you can just search around for crazy stuff because, because this is stuff that's in the goodwill store all over the country. So you can spend James, hours. Just, I hate you. <laughs> just, I hate you. It is really remarkable what you can find. I'm going to be on this site a lot. <laughs> <laughs> goodwill. Shopgoodwill.com. That's awesome. Shop because you're you're getting cheap stuff, and you're you're helping people out. That's right. How could how can that not be a good thing? It's amazing. Except that you spend all your money on cheap crap, uh, so that could not be a good thing. <laughs> uh, so my lesson I learned this week is not a lesson that I learned, but I'm using this as an opportunity to do what I said earlier and uh, uh, harvest the community. Uh, I've had a couple of. Um, What's the word? Um, less than positive emails regarding this show and the show notes, the sparseness of the show notes, uh, the fact that uh, that uh, I typically have a descrip description, something like Stephen, James, and Mark discuss marketing your podcast, <laughs> and that's it. Um, this this show is a little different uh, in that almost everything we talk about is. Uh, 
from our own experience. I don't have a lot of web links to point at very often. I don't have a lot of uh, hard data like that. So coming up with with notes is you know basically transcribing stuff. Uh, and it's just not something I have the time to do or the inclination. So I am asking if anybody out there has the time and would like to uh, take over the role of note maker for the show, uh, I'd like you to do that. I want you to uh, uh, let me know. And, and, you know, it doesn't have to be right away. When you listen to the show, in the course of listening to the show, jot down some notes and say, you know, it, uh, this is what they talk about and, and this is what they talk about and, and send it to me and I will uh, post date it. I'll put it back in the, in the, the notes after the fact. So I'm harvesting the community. I'm asking for help out there because it's just not going to happen otherwise. So those of you who have complained that the notes aren't good enough, um, you got to put your money where your mouth is because I'm not, it's just not going to happen. You know, I'm just being perfectly honest here. I'm never going to go to into that detail. I'm not Mike uh, Smith. You know, he would do that. He does that. Um, and maybe I need to get him to do that for my show because I'm not the one who's going to do it. Uh, and, and and don't tell me that there's bots out there or that I can hire some Indian guy to do it for a buck an hour. That's not what I ask for. I ask for a volunteer. So that that's all I have to say about that. That's what I do. Works out well. I have Paul, a fellow named Paul doing my notes. He rocks. He's the best. So how long did it take you to get Paul? I mean, how many years were you podcasting with bad notes? Well, it's people come and go because it's on a volunteer basis. I had Citizen X doing them for a long time. She rocked. Um, Data Mike did them. Paul's doing them now. So people come and do go as they have the time. They were all awesome. So I had them. I had them pretty consistently after about Podnuts Daily one hundred and something, and we had some good show notes for some of the shows cruising uh coming through so yeah you just gotta take who's available and let them go if they don't want to do it anymore <laughs> yeah um you know and then you were talking about the community the the spam in the forums uh getting the community to police itself i.e having mods in the forums is certainly uh incredibly <clears throat> beneficial oh gosh yeah yeah and uh, a lot of the guys love it too they take pride in it you know and they should and uh some people that come in your community are just going to be incredibly helpful. You will not believe it. Yeah. All right. I think that's all I have to say. Uh, <laughs> I would say that we covered all the notes, but there are no notes for this show. Uh, it was just all Steve. So, um, Steve, I'm going to let you have the last word. Usually I say something like that ends this episode. I'm going to let you do it. Take us out, oh, Steve. I'm so nervous. I just want to say, first of all, guys, it's been a blast. I've had so much fun doing this show. Um, I, I love talking about podcasting. And um, for everybody listening, I hope I spit out something of value for you guys. And for Mark and James, uh, it's always a pleasure working with you guys. Completely professional. Um, super fun. So uh, thank you guys for being co-hosts with me. And thank you, Mark, for asking me to do this show. That is going to be it for Art of Podcasting for this week. We will see Mark and James next time.